There we go. All right, so we're, we're in the Ambassador Series, and this has been one of my, I, well, I always say that, my favorite sermon series. How many times have you heard me? If you had a dollar for every time you said, this is my favorite sermon, right? I think every week it's my favorite sermon. I just, I just love talking about God's Word. So our definition that we've been running with for ambassador is this, an accredited. I want you to highlight and remember the word accredited. Accredited diplomat. The diplomat is the same word as a representative. So either way, just remember those two, accredited representative sent by by a country as its official representative so this is an official capacity to a foreign country this person represents and promotes their country so okay when I saw you walking I was like okay so here's what passage we've been also running with because I need you to understand this sometimes we forget where our first allegiance is I love America. I was in the military myself. Uh, guys, I, I'm all about proud to be an American, but I need you to know I'm first a citizen of heaven. That is my first allegiance is to God. First to God, then to my country. Does that make sense? First to God. And that's one of the things that I think sometimes we get, we get backwards in our lives. We, we really get backwards in this because we're really focused more on our earthly lives than on God's kingdom. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's what we're looking forward to. And he says, and we eagerly, we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Today's message is an ambassador is kingdom-minded. We're, 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 we're if I'm an ambassador, and guess what? If you are a Christian, you're an ambassador. And I'm, I've been proving it every step of the way, and I'm going to really prove it today. But let's get started. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. An ambassador has a kingdom perspective, Right? So if I'm an ambassador and if I'm saved, if I'm a Christian, you're, you are an accredited representative of Christ. Whether you want it or not, you are. You may not be a very good one, but you are. If you are saved, you're an ambassador. Okay? If you are saved, you're an ambassador. So he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, For we know that if the earthly tent... Now, the earthly tent here, he's referring to your body, your physical body here on earth. If the earthly tent that you, we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. You see how he compares what is better, a tent or a building? I mean, guys, we could have a, a tent service out there instead of a building, and then it's rainy or cold or hot or all of that stuff, and, and, and so if I and, and, and it doesn't last as long, right? I, I, I don't know, I would rather, uh, I like some tent camping, but on very short time frames. I love going back home, you know, you know, where my soft bed is. So, an eternal house. So, what he's doing is he's comparing my earthly body to a tent that rips and tears and does not fully um, hold, hold its due when it's raining and stormy. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So this isn't built by human hands. So what he's saying is, you, yes, you have this earthly tent, this earthly body, okay? But if that is destroyed, you have an eternal house where? In heaven, Right? 
I'm a citizen of heaven. You guys getting the, we're seeing the commonality. If we're going to talk about I'm, I'm representing a kingdom, I need to know where the kingdom is. The kingdom is in heaven. The kingdom you represent every single day of your life isn't here, it's in heaven and it's waiting for us. So whatever happens to your body here, it doesn't matter because there's a kingdom coming. Paul says it this way in Philippians. He says, for to me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I want to ask you, do you really believe that? Because Paul did. Paul believed this with every ounce of his body. He believed that, he says, to me, to live is Christ. To die is better. He said, he's saying to die is better than to live. Well, it's really nice and easy to say that right now in the moment. But how many of us really believe that? And I'm, I'm wanting to challenge you to think. If we're going to talk about our perspective, I think so many times we're so focused here and we're less concerned about eternity and our eternal home and our, the eternal kingdom that we represent is less important than what happens here and now. People all often ask, you know, Daniel, how did you get through it, you know, with the death of your son? You know, how did you make it? I can tell you this, that if I didn't believe what I'm preaching right now, I can promise you I wouldn't be married and I wouldn't be here. I would have gave up on life. I don't know how to describe the pain and the loss of a child, but it felt like my guts were ripped out. And there were times I didn't want to live. You know, I remember there were moments that I just wanted God to kill me, to take the pain away. But I also remembered, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And God brought comfort because of these passages that I'm reading to you today. Jesus himself said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, then do you believe this? You see, the, the thing is, is that as an ambassador, I got to believe in what the king says his kingdom's about. Because if I'm going to represent his kingdom, his kingdom is in heaven. I got to believe in that. With every fiber that I am, I've got to come to a place and say, you know what? To live, it means more work for Christ, but to die means I get to be with him. That's what the kingdom is about. He asks, do you believe this? He's asking Mary and Martha, do you believe what I'm telling you? He says, listen, <laughs> whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What he's saying is this, the moment that I take my last breath and I close my eyes here, I open them in the kingdom of heaven, in the land of glory. That's what that is. Though you die, you live. See, death can't hold on to you. Can you imagine that job being death? Every time he grabs a hold of a Christian and they stop breathing here and they close their eyes, they open it in heaven and he's like, well, that didn't work either. 
Talk about someone who's bad at his job. Death can't even hold on to death. Right? I mean, think about it. He can't even hold on to death. That's your only job is to kill people. Well, I touch them and they go back up. I touch them and they just get eternal life. Every time I touch somebody, they just get eternal life. That's his job, to lose all day long every day. Talk about a loser. Death is a loser. The who, the huh, right? For all my Jim Carrey fans out there. All right, here's the deal. This is the kingdom. Man, when you think about this, and so people say, man, I believe this with every fiber of my body. And when Malachi passed away and he went to heaven, I'm telling you, Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Everything I keep reading Paul saying is that he just longs for his life to end here so it can really begin. And I start thinking, man, what if Christians started really feeling that way? What if Christians really bought into what they say they believe? What if we really believe what we say we believe is really real? I mean, what would happen then? Right? What would happen if we, we say we believe in heaven, but what if we actually really, really, really believed in heaven? And it changed every decision we ever made. And it changed everything about us. So, an ambassador represents their king's kingdom, not their own. So in the second verse of chapter 5, he says, Meanwhile, so he, he was telling them, he goes, Man, we have an earthly tent, but if it's destroyed, we have an eternal house built by God. He says, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. What I love about Paul is he's not like, Yeah, when I die here, I'm, you know, yeah, we get heaven. He's all about heaven. He's all about the eternal kingdom. He says, we groan and we long for that heavenly kingdom. What does that look like for you? To groan and long for a heavenly kingdom. What does that look like? Would you say that you long for it? That you desire it? He said, for a while we are in this tent. We groan and we're burdened. How many of you have found out that this life is pretty tough? Right? That, that, that it doesn't go as planned, right? That it doesn't always happen the way that you want it to. That we're, 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 sometimes we're like, I'm stuck here right now. And that's what Paul's saying. Yeah, I groan and I long to be out of this body. I want to be with the Lord where people don't act the way that they act. They don't treat you the way that they treat you. In heaven, we're not going to have to go through the storms that we go through now. He says, we, we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And that word life is eternal life. He said, man, I can't wait for this mortal thing to be swallowed up in life. One of the things um, <laughs> I say to our leaders a lot, Maybe not as much as you can't minister beyond your character, but a lot. 
I tell us, I tell our leaders that it's not about me. It's not about you, but God and his kingdom. Unfortunately, we get too busy building our own kingdoms here, don't we? We get really, 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 really busy. We're so busy. I can't tell you how many times I've had people that, that, that they, they don't want to be a part of something like this. They, they want to get to heaven, but they want to be completely focused on earth. I want, I want all that the world has for me, and when this is done, then, I'll, then I want that. And I'm not saying that I don't want you to enjoy life, or, or here, we're, you know, we need to have a smile on our face and enjoy life. But, but I think we get so focused on that. I can't tell you how many times people are like, I don't have time for church. Just this last week, I had someone kind of come up and, well, I'm not about church. Not about church. I'm like, Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. I just... Don't like going to church. Maybe you're going to the wrong church. I mean, there might be, might be going the wrong. But here's the thing. More than that, you probably have a heart issue, and maybe you don't know the Lord at all. I want you to think about this. Too many people do not have any desire to be at church. That's what they call that church. Don't have any desire to be here because they're unconcerned about God's kingdom. Because guess what? Jesus died for the church. Jesus is coming back for the church. The church is called the bride of Christ. The church is called the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. If you're not concerned about his church, you're not concerned about his kingdom. I think that I'm I'm amazed. Like, what do you think heaven's going to be like? We're going to get there, and it's going to be praising God for all of eternity. And I don't know about you. I could have sang a lot more songs this morning about his glory and his praising his name. I'm like, you know what? A couple of hours here on a Sunday is not that big of a deal. I can't wait for it to be longer. Have you ever noticed that when you can feel his presence moving around, you don't want to leave? I remember I tried for a seed. There was a season I tried, I, I, I tried to preach shorter sermons, you know, so that we can get out a little earlier. And I had some people say, I don't like that. Like, it doesn't feel that long when we're here. Well, it's because we want to be here. It's because we want to be in his presence, and we don't want to leave his presence when his presence is here. I don't want to miss a thing. That's why it's really hard to find children volunteers. Like, they do not want to miss this either. They want to be in the same room that you're in. So, I think that God is more concerned with his body, the church, than many of his ambassadors. I want you to see a couple of these passages. Matthew 5, 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of... Help me out. The kingdom of heaven okay he goes on and he says blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of all right for i tell you unless your righteousness surpasses that of the pharisees and the teachers of law you will certainly not enter the kingdom of 
The kingdom that you're representing is the kingdom of heaven. It is an eternal kingdom, a forever kingdom, a kingdom that never ends, a kingdom that never loses. That's the kingdom that you represent as his ambassadors. One of the things that when you see the parables, I just challenge you, go through the book of Matthew and read every parable. Because every time you read a parable, you're seeing Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like. Does that ring a bell? Does anybody, that rings a bell when you're reading his parables? All right, here are just nine examples, just short examples from the book of Matthew. Just one. It does not include, well, it does because I just put them in there. So from this morning, I'm like, I want to put those in there. Jesus, in the very beginning, when he started his his preaching ministry in Matthew 4, from that time on, Jesus began to, to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near Then when he sent his disciples to go preach, he says, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of has come near. Right? So when he's telling the parables in in Matthew 13, he says the kingdom of heaven is like um, the enemy planting seeds among the wheat. They said, well, do we just go ahead and pull out the weeds? No, we can't pull out the weeds because the roots are intertwined with the wheat. So we're going to wait for the day of harvest, and then we will separate the two. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven is like this. We have weeds among the wheat. When that day comes, we will be separated out. The wheat will go to the kingdom of heaven. All right? Matthew 13, 31. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. He's saying, listen... Those who represent the kingdom of God, though small, grows into the largest of vegetable plants, providing shade and perch for the birds. I like where they can perch on. Matthew 13, 33. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast worked through a whole dough, a little yeast. In this case, he's saying Christianity is something that you take a little bit of that and you put it in a community and it takes over the whole community. That's how it should be. When ambassadors are ambassading, it spreads through the whole dough. All the English teachers are like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that catches all kinds of fish, right? And then when they bring the net of fish in, then they sort through the good fish and the bad fish. The kingdom of heaven is like in Matthew 18, a king that forgives the death of a servant. He forgave much debt, and then that servant went out and then refused to forgive the debt of another And he says, I forgave you, you're supposed to forgive others. Because you won't forgive that I'm taking back my forgiveness, and now you're going to be thrown in jail. Yay. So, Matthew 20. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out to hire servants. And all through the day, he kept hiring more and more and more servants. And at the end of the day, he paid them all the same. They didn't like that. He says, I'm the king. I can go do whatever I want. Sometimes we need to remember he's the king. He can do whatever he wants. I just want to be on his side. If he wants to give, every, if he wants to give heaven to the person who has squandered their entire life, yes! 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 If he says, you know what, on your deathbed, and they repent and they come to Jesus, and he says, I'm giving them eternal life, yes! 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 
That's what he's trying to get us to understand is that our job is not to say you don't deserve it or you, none of us deserve it. I'm just glad we get to it and we get to give it. So Matthew 22, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a great banquet for his son, but many were too busy with their own lives to come and celebrate. That sounds like the American church, right? Too busy, too busy, too busy, too busy. Well, you know what he did? They didn't get to come. So then he said, hey, go out and invite everybody else. And everybody who came got to partake in the banquet. It was amazing to see the excuse. I just bought some oxen and I want to go test drive. I, want, I just bought a car. I want to go test drive it. I just bought a new field. I want to go, sorry. <laughs> Easy. On another side is like, hey, I just got this new field. I want to go out and I, I want to I I play in the dirt. Someone else, I just got married. I'm like, whoa. Okay. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus kept telling parables, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom. And when you start looking out and you want to get an idea of what the kingdom of heaven is like, just start reading Jesus' parables. He's explaining this is what the kingdom of heaven is like and this is what we're representing. The kingdom of heaven. An ambassador is accredited. Remember our definition. The definition is, um, a, 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 is a, a, an accredited Diplomat, an accredited. It means that the owner has had, the, the, the king has given you something so that everyone will know that you're officially from them. In those days, they would often give them their ring, a signet ring. Take this, and that king will know that I sent you. Or here is a letter with my seal on it, and I need you to be the mailman, and I need you to take it. They will know that that's from me. Here's what the king of all kings did. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit. And they will know that you're from me. Come on now. Right? Right? In verse 5, he says, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is what? God. God did it this way. This is God's plan. That's why it's so awesome. Who has given us the spirit as a deposit. How do you know you're saved? Because you have the Holy Spirit. People say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. Do you have the Holy Spirit? What's that? No, you're probably not saved. Let's work on that right now. Right? Because the Holy Spirit, that's the guarantee. You know, when, 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 you, when you ask the Lord to forgive you and the inside feels lighter and it feels better and you know something happened, that's the Holy Spirit. When you've done something wrong and something inside of you is like, shame on you, stop it, turn it around, knock it off, go get this right, that's the Holy Spirit. When you're reading your Bible and you just feel like it's coming alive, Holy Spirit, when you're in prayer and you feel God talking to you, guess what? Holy Spirit. You see... My little girl, where's Chloe? She, what, what's, our, what's that little song that you like to do? The, come on, come on, this is your, your moment to shine. Holy Spirit, activate. So I'm doing my little tidbits and I say the Holy Spirit, she comes in the back and she's like, Holy Spirit, activate. So anyways, so anyways, so you had your, you had your moment, Chloe. All right, you'll, you'll have it again. So Holy Spirit, activate. So what's so amazing 
And what I love about this is that God says, I, I need you, to, I'm gonna, you are going to be an official representative of me, and this is how it's going to be. I'm going to give you my spirit. And everyone's going to know that I'm in you, and that you are in me, and that we are one. Isn't that beautiful? That God said, I'm going to give you a piece of me so that everyone will know that you belong to this kingdom. What are we doing with that? Right? What are we doing with that? So, I, I just love that God the King would give us his letter of recommendation as his Holy Spirit. It's his Spirit. His Spirit he's giving to us as a letter of recommendation. Remember when we started this series and it started off with Paul going, do I really need a letter of recommendation from you guys? You are my letter of recommendation. Guess what God's saying? Hold the, here, hold on, Paul. I am the letter of recommendation here. My spirit is the letter of recommendation here. So let me show you a couple of examples. In, in, in 2 Corinthians, the same book in chapter 1, it says set, God set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. He keeps saying the same phrase. The Holy Spirit is the deposit. He's giving a deposit into your heart bank account. And he says, this is how I can guarantee that heaven is for real. So if you feel the Holy Spirit, he says, that's the guarantee. That's how you can take heaven to the bank. Right? That Holy Spirit says this is for real, heaven is for real, and heaven's waiting for you. He also says in Ephesians chapter 1, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, that seal of a king. That's why he kept using the word seal. Because that's what a king would do. He would take his, his signet ring and he would have melted wax over a, a, over a scroll and he would put his seal into that scroll and now it's sealed. You were sealed and his signet ring is the Holy Spirit. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Isn't it amazing how many times in the Bible, every time we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it keeps coming back to a guarantee. This, you know, like, have you ever asked, has any of you ever struggled with doubt and said, how do I know this is for real? Has it, come on, let's be honest. Don't be lying in church, okay? So for all the rest of you liars, how do you know the Holy Spirit? That Holy Spirit, that's how I know that all of this is real, is true, and I can live on it. Well, let's go on in the scripture. So in verse 6 through 9, an ambassador makes it their goal to please their king, because this is all about the kingdom. So Paul says, therefore, because of all that we've said about, you know, um, I groan. He says, I groan for that, 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 that heavenly body, that heavenly dwelling. Therefore, we are always confident, and we know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. If you ever wondered where that is, now you know. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. 
He says, man, we want, we, we want to lay this body down. And we're ready to move on to eternal life. But until that happens, we make it our goal to please Him. So my question would be, if you were to look at your life, could you say that your goal is to please Him, God, King? Let me even put it another way. Sometimes this is even a harder one. Could the people in your home say that they think it's your goal to please the king? Would the people you work with come to that place of saying, I believe it's that person's, that I belong, oh, man, I 100% believe that their goal is to please God. It gets harder. You see, it's easy for me to say, yeah, woo, on Sunday morning, I want to please God. Do my co-workers see an ambassador represents the king? He's promoting the kingdom. Do you promote God's kingdom in a way that everyone around you knows that it's your goal to please God above all else? Yes, right? Your students know that, don't they? If you ever get fired, I know what it's from. And you just come on right over here, you know? <laughs> so, all right. So we make it the goal. And so here's the question. Why should I make it my goal to please the king? Guys, we're on our last verse. Huh. I mean, I have three more slides, but it's one verse. Why should I make it my goal? Why should I make it my goal to please? Because he answers this. Because I look at that and I'm like, well, yeah, but there's got to be a reason why. And I'm going to tell you right here. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, the very next verse, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. See, he says, we make it our goal to please you, for we must all appear. When you put the two verses together... We, we, our goal is to please him who's on the throne. We are here to please God, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul has some motivation here. He has a reason. He goes, I want to please God because one day I'm going to stand before him. A lot of people forget that there is a judgment day. There's a day where every one of us will stand before God. We have a lot of churches that don't want to talk about judgment day anymore. There's a lot of churches that don't want to talk about hell. There's a lot of churches that don't want to talk about sin. Here's the reality. What good does that do if you don't know it's coming? How does that help your children if we can't tell your children one day you'll stand before God Almighty? And you know what's scary? He's a good judge. If he's a good judge, then he has to do his job. You get what I'm saying? I heard a story once, um, and it talked about um, a judge. He goes, a good judge. So we had this uh, a story that it unfolded from this. So let's pretend for a moment that you had a, a, the, the, the closest loved one that you knew, and they were brutally murdered. And now you're in the judge and you're in the courtroom and the the other attorney says, "Well, hey, hold on. This person's been good their entire life and they made one mistake. Just one mistake. Yes, that was terrible. It was bad. They're wrong, but they made only one mistake. 
so we don't think that they should have to, to pay any price. And the judge said, you know what, you're right. They've only made one mistake in their entire life. They're, we're just going to pay some fines. If you were that loved one, would you say that that judge is good? He's a good judge. See, Jesus paid the price. And a lot of people have not believed in that. And they, the, the, the gift of salvation is free. God's offering it. He says, I will pay. I'll take the penalty. I'll, I'll, go to the, I'll go to the death for you. That's what the cross was. The judge says, hey, Daniel, you have sinned and you've fallen short of the glory of God. You must die for this. That's, that's the judgment that was upon me. And Jesus said, hold on. If you will place your faith in me and you will repent of that sin and you'll walk with me from here on out, I paid the price. So he died in my place. That's what the atonement sacrifice is. But as a believer... I'm still standing before God. At this point, it's not about eternal damnation. It's about what did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the resources? What did you do with the faith that I gave you? What did you do with the family I gave you? What did you do with all that I gave you? Think about it. What has God given you and what are you doing for his kingdom? I know that this is probably very small. It's in Matthew 25. I'm just going to read this passage. For the kingdom of heaven huh, is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and, and delivered his goods to them. One he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to their ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And the one who had two, he gained another two. And the one who had one was afraid and he buried it in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts. That's what the judgment day is. That's when we stand before the seat of the judgment seat of God to settle accounts with our time, with our time and our treasures and our talents. What have you done with those three areas? So the one who'd received five brought the five, saying, Lord, you delivered me five. Look, I've gained five more. The Lord said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The one who received two, the same thing. I, I, I put the dot dot there because it didn't fit on the slide. Then, the one who had received one talent. Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and I hid your talent into the ground. Look, here it is. So it's like this. God, you gave me all this life. I didn't do anything with it, but here it is. We're getting it now, right? God, you gave me this job. You gave me these resources. I didn't do anything with them, but here it is. We're getting it? God, you gave me all of this talent. I used it on myself, but here it is. And the Lord looked at him. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and I gathered where I didn't scatter seed. You, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. 
for to everyone who has, more will be given. When you do something with it, God will give you more. And he will have an abundance. But him who does not have, even what he has will be taken. And cast the unprofitable servant into the darkness where there is a weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to understand, I didn't write that. That's God's word. We like to ignore these passages, don't we? We, we don't. Like, I only want to talk about the love of God. What about when we stand and have to settle accounts? What good is it to you if you don't know about that? Right after this verse, in the very next verse, he tells another. So when the Son of Man comes in his glory and the angels are with him, he will sit on the glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. I can't stand. And I know why he separates those goats out. Oh, they won't stay in a pen to save their life. He'll put his sheep on the right because they're going to heaven. And goats on the left because they're definitely going to hell. (laughs) Then the king will say to the right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take the inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you. God's preparing a kingdom for you since the creation of the world. So when God created the world, he was at the same time preparing a place for you. Come on now. Come on. Before you were ever born, God already has this place for you already planned out and it's not here. He will say, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you, Jesus? When did we see you hungry and feed you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we do these things? And Jesus will reply, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did, For one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's what ministry looks like, my friends. That's what an ambassador looks like. And it comes in all different shapes and sizes. It's not all under the roof of a church. When you leave this place, you're leaving this and you're entering the mission field You see someone hungry, you feed them. You see somebody thirsty, you give them something to drink. You see somebody who needs clothes, you give them clothes. You see somebody that needs a place to to, to crash. I can't tell you how many times we've had people on our couch. (laughs) We've got a lot of couches. He will then say those on his left, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell wasn't prepared for you, it was prepared for the devil and his demons. God doesn't send people to hell, you send yourself there. That's your choice. You have the choice of free gift of eternal life or you can walk straight into the pits of hell. It's your choice. It always has been. He says, I was hungry and you didn't give me any food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. If I would have saw you, Jesus, hungry, if I would have saw you thirsty, if I saw you needed clothes, we never saw that. So do you think that God is serious? I want you to remember, I'm reading to you what Jesus told. So why should I make it my goal to please the king while here on earth? Because I'm going to appear before a judgment seat of Christ. But even if I could say more than that, 
I don't want to serve God out of fear. I want to serve him because I love him. Guys, I don't need to be, I don't need that verse to motivate me. I love him. And I want to teach his word. I want to, to expand his kingdom. I want to because of what he's already, because of that Holy Spirit that's in here, the Holy Spirit activate thing, yeah. Because of that, I want to. I want to. I also know that there's going to be a day I'm standing. I'm going to stand before the king. And I'm convinced that many Christians are so focused on building their own kingdoms here that they have become no value to the kingdom that we are here to represent. I want you to, I want you to really, God, I want to put your kingdom before my kingdom. Do you hear me? What would your home look like, fathers? Fathers, listen to me. What would your home look like if God's kingdom came before your home kingdom? What would that do in your children's lives? Grandparents, what would it look like if your grandkids came to your house and they knew you put his kingdom before your kingdom? What would that look like? What kind of an impact would that put in their life? We have too many parents so focused on their kingdom that their kids can't even see Jesus in their own parents. And then their parents are just hoping that we'll change their kids. That's not our job, it's yours. God gave you kids. He gave them to you. You are the one responsible. What would your marriage look like if the kingdom was first? What would happen if, you, if you, both of you were completely focused on God and his kingdom? I promise you, it would be like a triangle. Your little kingdom here, your little kingdom there, and all of a sudden you're doing this. Oh, I want to be about his kingdom, and it'll bring you closer together. What would the school look like if all the students put his kingdom before their kingdom. What would happen if kids started saying, you know what, coach, I'm going to church, so I'm, I'm leaving practice early. I love sports, but sports is number two. God is number one. What would happen if kids started saying, I'm not going to do a game on a Wednesday night. I'm not going to go to a game or a practice on a Sunday morning. What would happen in our community? What happened if God would come first? It takes somebody to be an ambassador, to begin to set the tone for everyone else to follow. So what will you do? The altar is open. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to think, maybe today is a day where you're committing to focus on His kingdom first. Guys, it is so easy, so easy to lose sight. So easy. Maybe you've lost sight for just a little bit. Maybe this is the time. You come and you say, God, I want to put your kingdom first. I want your kingdom and all of your kingdom principles to be applied to my marriage. Maybe if that's you, get up and move. 
Maybe you right now saying, man, I, I, if I apply the principles of God's kingdom into my marriage, my marriage would be different. It would, I promise you. Maybe some of the parents here need to sit there and say, wow, my kids have not seen the kingdom as my top priority and I need that to take place. God, help me. God, raise me into the kind of parent that I can set the pace for my children to follow so they will know what this looks like when they have to face the challenges of adulthood that's right around the corner. What would God have you do?